right, today we are looking at Haggai 2.9. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. This is referring to the latter house, like now, the latter times. You know what I'm saying? The former house um, is always like... You could either compare it to the Old Testament and the New Testament, or you can compare it to the early church and the later church. Like whenever he poured out his spirit on um, in the book of Acts, the glory that was there, that all the, the ministers were, were powerful and anointed and things were happening and just miracles, signs and wonders, just all this amazing stuff. Well, the glory of this latter house is going to be greater than that. Now, let me kind of explain the way I see this because um, there's a word in Hebrews where it talks about being illuminated. Okay, what he's saying is, remember after a while, once you were illuminated, once you saw something that was true in the Bible, you saw it. You know how you spiritually see something? You can hear it all the time, but all of a sudden one day it makes sense to you. You saw it with your spiritual eyes, right? Are you with me, guys? Okay. So once you saw it, what happened right then was, it was like a shutter opened, the new image. Because the Bible says when you see him as he is, you'll be just like him. When you saw the image of what God's word was really saying, your heart opened up. That image was burned on your heart. And then it shut. Okay, that's what that word illumination in Hebrews is talking about there, where it's talking about once you've been illuminated, you know, you endure a great fight of affliction and blah, 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 but then you come out with the manifestation of this thing. What that word illumination means is it's a Greek word photismo, which is where we get our word photography. I've explained this to you guys before, but let me just humor you here. So an old camera, when they would take a picture, they would push the button, the shutter would open, the light of what they saw would expose on the film, and then the shutter would close so that a bunch of images didn't get on it, right? So then they would take that film and go into a dark room, and they would process the film until it became a picture, and then they would hang it up. You've seen the movies where they're hanging photos in a dark room with a little red light on in there. You know, that was how you used to have to do to get a picture. Now, today we have cell phones and it's instantaneous, but... There is a process from the time the image is given to you until the time that the image manifests, okay? If you look at the old church in the book of Acts, it's kind of like the snapshot. God, when, when Jesus left the earth, the Spirit of God fell, okay? All of a sudden, a shutter was open. The image of what the church is supposed to look like was, was birthed on the church, and then the shutter closed, and so they had all this power, and they did all these incredible things for a long time there, right, until they all died or whatever. And, and then they kept trying to keep it going, right? But <clears throat> through time, we know that the church became uh, a lot less powerful, right? I mean, not saying there wasn't somebody out there. There was always somebody on the scene doing something powerful, some missionary or something. There have been great men throughout the ages but as far as the whole church at that time, they all were just very powerful. So what's happening now, though, is that image has been seared on the church. And so as we keep developing, all of a sudden, um, you know, it started like Martin Luther realized, hey, we're saved by grace. Right? And all of a sudden, the church is now, the whole church 
is walking in the fact that grace is what we're saved by. You know what I'm saying? I mean, very, very few people are not walking in that revelation, right? And so then it continued on until the next big revelation and then the next big revelation until you get to Oral Roberts and healing is for today and it's for his children. You know what I'm saying? And we had just a healing revival. All kind of ministries were raised up that had power to heal. Catherine Kuhlman, Benny Hinn, just all these things were happening. And now all of a sudden, pretty much the whole church believes in healing. Okay? Where they didn't before. And, well, a lot of the church today still think that, well, it's in God's timing or whatever and all that. But the vast majority of people now believe at least that healing is for the church. Okay? And then there was a money revival. And you had... Frederick Price, you, you had all these people bust out and say, no, to have wealth is now, okay? And so the church is pretty much coming to agreement that it's okay to have finances. You know, there's still one or two that haven't caught on yet, but for the most part, most of the church believes that money is for today because we're not going to need it in heaven. Am I right? We already have a mansion. We already have food at the Lord's table. You're, the money is not for heaven, Right? Healing is not for heaven. There ain't going to be no sickness in heaven. These promises that Jesus purchased for us are for today, right? And so as the church continues to walk in this power, the church is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But now it's not just something that was given to us. It's something that we've walked out and received by revelation knowledge. Does that make sense? It's kind of like the church has been in the dark room while this image of who we really are has been being processed, okay? Well, there's coming a day, and I, I don't know how long it'll be, but there's coming a day when all of a sudden the picture will be developed and the church will be walking in what God created us to walk in. The real image of how... What the, what the apostles, the, the prophets of the Old Testament desired to look into what we have. The angels who are in heavens wanted what we had. What is man that you are mindful of him? They want what we have, okay? Because they understand it better than we do on exactly what that is. But we are powerful. And we're just now figuring out authority, we're just now really, you know, the movement of faith. You had Kenneth Hagin get raised off his deathbed. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, he understood it was by faith. And you've got all these people that have just jumped on this. And you've got, you know, all these big faith preachers and stuff. And all of a sudden, the church is walking in a level that has never existed before. You know, I use an example a lot of times that when I was a little kid, we would play a game called King of the Mountain. So if like somebody was doing yard work and a truck would come and deliver them a pile of dirt for their yard or something, you know, well, all the kids in the neighborhood wanted to play on that pile of dirt, right? I mean, that's just normal, right? So we would go over there and get on that pile of dirt and we would play King of the Mountain. Somebody would jump up on the top of that mountain and say, King of the Mountain! And if you could pull them off the mountain and you could take the top of the mountain, then you became the king, okay? This was a game we played. We played it a lot. We played it. If there was the smallest little hill, someone would jump on it and say, I'm king of the mountain, and someone else would start trying to pull them off of there, you know, and you were kind of having a tug of war. And if you got them down, you got to jump up there and be the king of the mountain. And then some other big kid would come by and jerk you off, and they would take over. And it was a game we always played outside as kids. Well, I was never big enough to take the mountain, ever, ever. 
and I was a baby, and I was the youngest, and I would cry, and I would tattle, Mama, they won't let me be the king of the mountain. And Mother would stick her head around there and say, Okay, guys, give Dolly a turn to be the king of the mountain, just to make me stop crying. You know what I'm saying? And they'd say, Yes, ma'am. And I would get on top of the mountain, and I'd be standing up there, and Mother would turn around to leave, and before she could get inside, one of them big kids would jerk me off of that and throw me down on the ground and take back over because they was mad that I even did that in the first place, right? So I had a rougher come down off the mountain than anybody else had, right? So there I am crying because I couldn't take the mountain. Well, the church was kind of like that. We have all this power. We have all this authority. We have all this dominion. We have all this position. We have all this, we are kings now. We have that we're the heirs of the world. We have that we are the gods. The Bible calls us that twice. We have that this is our planet, that we are absolutely having dominion over everything. We have been restored back to Adam and Eve in the original state of mankind. And yet, everybody's pulling us off the mountain. Right? And that's what was happening for centuries. Well, now the church is taking the mountain. By revelation knowledge, by understanding who they are, they're taking the mountain. And let me tell you something. If you're big enough to take the mountain, you're big enough to hold the mountain. Does that make sense? It was kind of like the first apostles there in the beginning were given the mountain. But the enemy came and everybody was all this stuff the world system was pulling them off the mountain okay there were one or two of them that were strong enough to stay and hold but it didn't last you know what happened why didn't it last right because the enemy came in there with doubt and fear and confusion and division and he came in there and just kept on until he pulled us off the mountain until the church wasn't sure who they were anymore so now what's happening is the church is taking the mountain and when you take a mountain, let me tell you something. Once you're big enough to take the mountain, you can hold the mountain. Once, you, once you're hearing from the Lord and you're following the Lord and you literally take the mountain, it's not you that took it, it's the Lord working through you, right? And that's what the church is doing today. And so the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former house saith the Lord of hosts, and this place I will give peace. And we will have peace while we're doing it. Okay? So I just want you to kind of understand that, that our best days are just ahead of us. Whatever it is you're believing God for right now, don't expect the enemy just to roll over and hand it to you. Take your mountain. What do you want? What is your scripture you're standing on? Where is it written down? Where is it on your vision board? Where is it? What is it you really want? Now cut the garbage. Quit wanting these things that you don't care about. Because if all you have on your vision board are things you really don't care about, then you're not growing. You're not, you're not taking the mountain. I'd rather you have one thing on that vision board that actually means something to you and your life right now. What do you want right now? One thing, what do you want right now? Do you know what that is? In your mind, do you know what that is? Is it on your vision board? What is it that you really want right now? 
When I was realizing I had this vision board and I had all my stuff on this vision board and I was believing God for all these things. And yes, they were wonderful and lots of them were coming to pass. You know, I wanted a merch store at the church. I wanted to host my own conference. I wanted to, all those things happened really fast. But you know what happened? I realized one day I was going out, we were filming a show and I was going out there to meet them. And on my way to the thing, I had a revelation that it wasn't what was on the vision board that mattered. It was how I was changing inside that mattered. Because once I became that person, all that stuff would be mine. It's not a matter of getting stuff. As you change and become the person God wants you to be, you will have the stuff. That's not the problem. But are we barking up the wrong tree? How bad do you want this right now? Right now, how bad do you want this? Or would you rather have something else that really means something more to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why every once in a while I have to go and I have to stop and I have to tweak my vision board. Yeah, I do want that. But that's not what I need right now. What I want right now today If I had that one thing right now today, my whole life would be different. What is that thing? What is that thing? What is it? You know, you don't got to tell nobody else, but you need to know what it is. You need to know what it is. Because when you know what it is you're actually believing God for, then you'll know if you actually get it. But if you're vague about what you want from God, guess what? It's going to be real vague about when you get it. And then you're not going to even know it ever happened. And you know what Jesus said? He told those 10 lepers, he said, he said, go and show yourself to the priest, right? So they turn around, they start walking to go show themselves to the priest. And as they walked, they were being healed. And one of them, one out of 10 turned around and said, thank you, Lord. And Jesus said, Where are the other nine? Didn't I heal ten of you? But because you turned around and said, thank you, you are now made whole. What that meant was, you know, because when you had leprosy, you would lose limbs and you would have, you know, big parts of things missing because you didn't have any nerves in your hands. So you'd have your hand on a stove and it would be on fire and you wouldn't even know. So you'd lose these fingers because they burnt and things. You know what I'm saying? But whenever Jesus said, because you turned around and told me, thank you, now you're whole. Fingers grew back. Things changed on his physical body. If you know when you got what it is you're believing for, then you can stop and say, thank you, Lord. And when you stop and say, thank you, Lord, it goes even more. The blessing multiplies. But if you don't even know what you're actually trying to believe God for, and then you, uh, you get it, but you really don't even pay attention, oh, yeah, this is nice, or whatever, but it's not something that you really felt like you needed today. You might not recognize that it even happened. Does that make sense? Today in our journal time, I want you to write down one thing that you really want today. Today, one thing that would change your life Today. You understand? Okay. 
Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. We're so excited that you're um, joining our Bible classes, and we will see you again next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.